Praise God. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping items. Um, how many, this is your first night here? First Wednesday night. Okay, welcome. Praise God. Thank you for coming. Um, well, we're going to ask the Lord to fill in the gaps for you because it'll be, this is uh, week four. I think I mentioned last week, um, I've usually teach this on a Friday night and an all-day Saturday when I do my, the conferences. And so we're likely, because we generally get about an hour, a little more than an hour maybe. Uh, so we're probably going to go into September. Um, I don't want to rush this because right now what we're doing is we're laying foundational principles that once you get those foundations and some of you said, man, you're going so fast. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. Um, but I, at the same point, I want to lay the foundational principles, but I want to be able to also do some of you, I think we had just by a show of hands, how many have been to prayer ministry? Okay. Almost 90% of you have been to prayer ministry. So you've had, you, you have your own reference of when you've been to prayer ministry and you've spent five, six, seven, I think we did one Monday, eight hours, right? Um, when there's been that intensity of uncovering your life and reviewing it and praying through it, where to gather in my name, there, there he is in the midst, um, you walk out of there, probably one of the reasons you're here is you you recognize the value that came out of your prayer ministry, right? And learning how to do that, or uh, at least in the toolbox of, I want to be able to help others find that same level of freedom. Amen. And uh, you know, I'm laying enough foundation. It says, first of all, you're expected to. Hello. Right? Mark 16. These will be signs of those who believe. And if you're a believer in this house, then a sign that ought to be following you at some point is, you ought to cast out demons. That's what he said. Mark 16, go look at it. It's part of the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. The Great Commission, Jesus said, I'm going to go away. Therefore, you're going to do the following. I'm the commander-in-chief. I love our president last night. He was like, man, I love it. Anyway, that's off subject. But come over here. And it's like he knows who he is. He paid the ultimate price. He's now been resurrected. He's about ready to turn the kingdom advancement over to the disciples. And he gives us some marching orders. And one of them is, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, speak in new languages. And if you got any issues with that, go talk to the Lord about it. Read the scripture. I mean, he said it. He's going to expect it. And on that day, last week's sermon was, one day we will stand before him at the Bema seat, real clear on Sunday, stand before him and give an account. And so... I'm not trying to be mean about it. It's just the way it's, we, I like to know the rules of the road here, <laughs> right? And so, okay, we are privileged, uh, have heard the Lord on this one. I believe some, there's some wind on this one, that we're going to be doing two-hour blocks for seven days straight beginning Sunday, 24-7. We're going to start prayer in the sanctuary and we're looking for people to sign up for a two-hour section or at least, if you come here, you at least sign up for one of the two-hour sessions, okay? I'm, I'm asking you to. But many ought to sign up for more. It's going to be a time, if there's any conflicts, like if we have worship practice going on a Thursday night or dance practice, or then we'll meet in the prayer room. If you get here and there's something else going on in the sanctuary and you're signed up for the 2 a.m. one, it's probably clear there won't be one here, anything going on. Then come in the sanctuary. We want to have a man. We want to have at least two people present. So there's not someone here alone. Um, 
we've got a couple signed up. I'm going to route this around. If you would look for a spot, just ask the Holy Spirit. Remember what he said. Jesus said, could you, could you at least tarry with me for one hour? And the disciples were so worn, they fell asleep. And he came three times, he asked them. I'm about ready to go to the most violent death any human being has ever probably experienced. And I need you to pray for me. And they were asleep. And he says, I know, you're tired. It's all right. And anyway, so we believe the Lord's positioning. We're in this major transformation. There's really some, I am so optimistic. I, I've not been in this place in over a year. I'm not exaggerating. And today, some things just, I'm really excited about what God's doing and what he's going to be doing. And so prayer changes things. How about our vice president last night? Quoting Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I mean, I was up till two a.m. I I just couldn't. All the pundits were doing their thing. I'm like, Lord, I got to go to bed here. And so, all right. I believe we're on the verge. Not only as a nation with a battleground, we need to pray for this nation like never before. I'm, I'm, but we also need to pray for our city, our families, our children, and our youth. Our college campuses are a mess. There is good light going on. We got Nico and T and them that are telling us about some of the good things. But we've got some crazy things. I feel like I'm back in the 60s. I'm a child of the 60s. And I remember the riots on the college campuses and what's going on. There is an antichrist spirit that's running through our nation right now. You see it at the very top, undermining legitimate authority and all the... um, When our president takes a half an hour out of prime time to uncover some of the things that are being said about him that are not true. And he's pleading with the people of the nation and says, please. And so he's not a perfect man. He's a Cyrus. <laughs> Prophesied by Isaiah 150 years before King Cyrus was ever born. Go read it in Isaiah. And he's a Cyrus. It was prophesied who he'd be. He'd be the president of the United States. He is. And he's trying to drain the swamp and the swamp doesn't like to be drained. And so... I know I'm on a political hedge here, but I just want you. He's not a perfect man, but he is our president. And Romans 13 says, we are to pray for those in authority, not tear. It didn't say tear down those in authority. So, yeah, we can challenge him on things that we don't think are correct. But I believe we've been given a a window here, and we need to come and pray. And so that's my intro to, I'm going to route it around, just kind of pass it around as it comes through. Um, I don't have a... Well, here. Got it? Okay, good. All right. Um, If this is your first time, before you leave, pick up my book. It's on the left side of the credenza back there. Uh, That's a free gift to anyone that comes. If you haven't gotten one in the last few weeks, pick one up. Take one per customer. Um, And I I just encourage you to read it. It's kind of the journey. It'll reinforce a lot of what we've been building upon, the things we were learning as we... Uh, if you know the story, when we started going to the nations, I told you, that my, I went there because I asked the Lord to show me his power. And my first night, I, I shared the, the experience we had on our first Brazil trip. And um, after that, we, we didn't know what our destiny was, but we kept going to the nations. I think, I lost count now, I don't know if it's 29 or 30 mission trips. I, I can't keep track anymore. At least... Uh, 11 trips into Brazil, uh, traveling with really amazing apostolic leaders who are world revival leaders of the day. We've been so privileged as a body. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not bragging either. It's just, it's just a fact. Um, 
we've had missionaries with Heidi Baker who's planted over, you know, how many times you've been to that school? You guys, Dayla went and she spent three months in, in Pemba. Um, so we've been privileged. Here's Heidi and Roland Baker. They've planted over eight to 10,000 churches in Africa. And now worldwide, they're in India. They're, okay, so Iris Ministries, um, they told her, this little, you know, five foot two blonde lady, there's no way you can influence that religion. There have been denominations sowing in northern Mozambique for 25 years with no converts. What makes you think? He says, I don't know. God just told me to go. And he gave her a download of a vision. He comes to the, she comes to the front during the Toronto outpouring where Randy Clark is another apostolic leader. The, the, the testimony, you, you may or may not have heard it. She's, born, she's burned out. She's been serving in Mozambique. She's ready to quit. Her and her husband said, let's go to Toronto and get refreshed before we quit. And all Randy Clark knows is that she's a Mozambican missionary. So while Randy's preaching his sermon on that particular, I think it was a Wednesday night, she came up and knelt at the altar and just started to sob. And, you know, it's kind of distracting. <laughs> Randy, Randy said, if I thought about what I would say, I probably wouldn't have said it, but he just felt, he says, Heidi, knew her name, Heidi, uh, God wants to know if you want the nation of Mozambique. She didn't answer him. She cried more. And then he's like, Heidi, God wants to know if you want the nation of Mozambique. Yes, yes, yes. Now, that flies in the face of, I'm ready to quit. I'm burned out. The, the stuff, if you listen to the history that happened the six months after that, um, cerebral malaria, her husband had cerebral malaria. Her daughter was raped. She was shot at with AK-47s. They took the denomination that was supporting her with a million dollars in the budget to go build an orphanage. The $250,000 they gave annually to care for the 300 orphans that were in her care took her aside after the Toronto outpouring and said, if you don't deny that that was the Holy Spirit, we're going to cancel all our funding. She said, how can I deny that? I, I know the Holy Spirit visited me in it for the next seven days. After that impartation, she, she said she felt almost paralyzed from the neck down. Roland would take her from the hotel, her husband, in the morning, lay her in the sanctuary during the day. She couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom. And the Lord said, I'm going to teach you something about depending upon the rest of the body of Christ because you're too independent. She told me all this, and she because we've had missionaries there for 14 years in Mozambique, right? And so Heidi would tell us things in the bush, and she she said, "You know what, God? I don't know what that means, but she goes, I have to go to the bathroom so bad, and I'm gonna not. It's not going to be pretty here in the church. You got to help me, God." She says, "I'm going to send you someone that you're going to learn to rely on." And in walked the cleaning lady in the back, and she cried out and said, "Can you come help me?" And the cleaning lady carried her, put her on the pot, helped her all out, took care of all that, brought her back here. He says, do you see? I'm going to bring people. You can't do this by yourself. And then she got these open visions, visual visions of pictures of men's faces. And when she got back, three men, Papa Rego, Papa Supresa, and uh, the third one escapes me at the moment. These three African men who'd been doing ministry in and around Mozambique had a vision of a white woman that they were to find. 
And they come and they, it's the same three of the 12 that Heidi had been given a picture of. Papa Supresa is the international minister. He lives in South Africa. I've been in the bush with him. He's raised over. The reports are, he's very, he does not brag about. The reports are at least he's seen 25 people raised from the dead. He's the one, when I was in the bush, my first trip to Africa, when I am like so outside my comfort zone, the Zambezi River had overflowed. There were villages carried away, bodies floating in the Zambezi. There was no food. There was nothing. And Heidi, we, we were on our way. We raised, I forget how many thousands of dollars from gifts coming in to go help bring a missionary outreach to those in the bush. Heidi said, we can't bring everybody from your team, so we'll have you and your wife go. So I get on a flatbed truck with Mama Tonic and a missionary from Germany and Papa Rego one of the 12, and we go on eight hours on a flatbed truck. It looked like Dela, the first trip we took. Nothing but she sat there. The only part of her that wasn't covered in red dirt was her glasses. That's where I was. We got into Mutarara, this broken down, people literally starving to death. I had... I was, here's the nuclear engineer from GEHU who's never missed a meal, you can tell, right? And I get to this place, and we've got corn, we've got rice. We're, within 24 hours, it's all gone. And we're supposed to minister to these people. And I said to Roland, he flew his Cessna plane in and landed, and we got misconnected in our, self, in our uh, satellite phones Nobody went to pick him up. So he's sitting in a, in a field across the river, and nobody picks him up. So Heidi says, well, all the people start coming out of the bush from the village. They've never seen a Cessna plane land in this airfield that's been shut down for the last 15 or so years. And they come out of the bush. with Heidi says, well, break out the generator. We're going to have church. Nobody's here. I guess God's got a plan. And by the time we figured out where they were and got a pickup truck over to get to them, it was hours later, they'd already established a church, picked a pastor, had revival, and hundreds got saved. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't get any of this. This is so not North Carolina. I don't know what I'm doing here, God. What are you doing to me, right? And then the next day, they started coming, and we, we had no food. We had nothing left. And I said, Roland, you know, I'm a practical guy. What, what are we going to do? He goes, give him Jesus. There's got to be more. Give him Jesus. In fact, you're going to preach tomorrow to the group that's coming. They're all coming. You're going to preach. I said, Roland, I don't know what to preach. He goes, and by the way, who's my translator? Who has the dialect? We're in a, we're in a dialect that is, he goes, well, we don't have the dialect yet, but God will provide. Papa Supresa. He will translate for you. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. We got to have a plan. I got to have the, the sermon notes. I got to have the translator. And I said, God, what do I give him Jesus? And so I stood up there and I preached probably one of my first messages on you can't serve Christ and the demonic together. And I, as soon as I started to share in English, the download came, and Papa Supresa got the dialect and translated for me. And when I gave the altar call to these mamas, I said, you can't mix your, your amulets and your witchcraft and the body parts of all these animals 
and expect Christ to come. You've got to get rid of that. So I'm calling you up. If you've got anything that you need to get rid of, the, the little hewn altar, this broken down thing from leftover from the days of the Portuguese, they had body parts. I remember in particular one mama took the uh, belt with a rat part wrapped around her, nine, could have been nine or ten month old baby, with a rat part. The baby was sick and I said, what the heck is that? Because well, they've been praying to their rat god to heal the baby. I said, as soon as we took that off and prayed and she renounced that, the baby's eyes went But here's, I know I'm on a tangent, but it's relevant. It was at that moment, after the altar call and people got saved and turned away from witchcraft, the Lord broke my heart. At that point, we did prayer time. And now you got a picture. There are mamas. They are eating times they would mix sand into cookies because they had no food. And they're feeding, the children's bellies are bloated. The babies, some of them are so near death. They wanted the white woman to pray for the baby. So they would come and they would place the dying baby in my wife's hands just to have her bless them before they would die. And I said to myself, I said, God... I will never change the subject of missions as long as I live. Wherever I have influence, it'll be missions. And the Lord's been faithful to that. He's just been faithful to that. And so I learned a lot from Roland and Heidi. And we've been privileged to have apostolic leaders like them. Leif Hetland has led over a million and a half Muslims to the Lord. He's preached here several times. He's my brother. We have the same spiritual father, Jack Taylor. Jack Taylor and his wife, Frida, she came out of Nazi Germany. Her father was an SS Waffen SS. What a story. The, 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 these apostolic leaders of Bill Johnson, the stories I'm sharing are times when we would go, we, didn't, we couldn't even spell deliverance, honestly. We, Lord, what are you doing? I don't know how you could ever use... The likes of us, we, who are we? We're these little people. I'm a little pastor from North Carolina. But I'm willing to go. And he would download and he would, first he would protect us from getting hurt, which was amazing. And then he would show us more and more of the tools to be able to do what he called us to do. He's just really looking for a willing heart. It's not all about the skill set. He'll fill in. I love Bill John says he factors in our stupidity. And what we knew then and what we know now, as long as we don't get pridefully arrogant about I know everything I need to know, he can still work with us. And so the stories I'm telling you are real life stories of in the school of the natural process of growing in the spirit for greater and greater authority and deliverance. And so... The, the, the actual testimonies I'm sharing with you, they really happened. But they're also principally based like, oh, that's how you do that. And every time we ran into one where, I'm going to share one here in a minute, we don't have a clue what you're doing. And it doesn't fit any model. And I've not been here before. And it's really good if you stop and do what James said. If a man lacks wisdom, a woman lacks wisdom, why don't you ask the Lord? He'll freely give it to you. Just do it in humility. And then you got to listen. That's why 
The next teaching we're going to do is on the prophetic. It's going to be the GRC protocol of the prophetic. I've touched on it in GRC Connect meetings, people that are joining the church, but we've never gone into the detail that I'm going to do it. And since Pastor Mike Thornton was going to do dream interpretation, but he said based on his schedule, we're going to move that till after Lisa Moore teaches Ephesians, and then we'll pick up in November dream interpretation. So we've got the rest of September to finish this and to do the prophetic protocol. And they go really hand in hand because if I can hear the voice of the Lord, then I know what he's saying, then I know also how to minister to use the tools that I'm being taught, right? So that's a long intro. Um, but I think what I'd like to do is we're going to spend tonight, the remaining of tonight, in the teaching notes. And so if you haven't got a set of the teaching notes, they're back there on the table. These are on loan. You'll notice there's a little thing there that says uh, this is property of, of the church. Um, you can buy these. So don't write in them unless I tell you there's a couple of corrections we made last week. Um, don't write in them. And there's also, I don't know if we have many of these left, but there's the ministry training manual. That's the spiral wound one. So the spiral wound one, um, at this point, you should be through. You can pick up also this handout. We're not using this, but we probably will use it next week um, or maybe the week after. We'll see how we get far to get tonight. If I keep going on tangents, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, so there's, there's this, there's a part in this handout where the journal, and if you read the book, the reason I wrote this book, I had, I had, had some word, we'll write a book, write a book. The reason the book got written was, how many were in Tanzania with, on one of the Tanzanian trips? Okay, is six or so, five or six years. Um, the first trip to Tanzania with Jack Taylor, um, we were in Moshi Town, and the way they had set it up is we were going to go to take five of the different mission teams that are together and go from place to place, village to village, right? And so... And then we were going to culminate and bring all of those villages and all those churches together in Moshi Town, which is the capital of Tanzania. And there's this big field, open field, in the, around behind all the stores that are there. And uh, we're going to have a gathering of the Christians. And we had been told by Leif, he said, look, we got, Leif had been with us to Brazil and he saw us do deliverance ministries for Randy and Bill. He said, I've got so much disruption when I try to preach. If I'm preaching a message to five or 6,000 in a field and they manifest, as soon as you start worship, they manifest. There's de de demons all over the place. They don't want worship and they certainly don't want the message to go forth. Just look at Jesus in the his gospel of, of Luke, Mark, Matthew. We'll look at maybe that tonight. Every time he'd come in to preach, they'd start screaming, you are the son of the living God. Why have you come here to torment us? So... No, he's the carpenter, just happened to be sharing. Shut up, demon. Don't reveal who I am right now. But they come to disrupt. And so what Leif said is, they're just disrupting everything. I, I need a plan and a process. Can you do what you do with Randy and Bill that I've seen you do? So I said, yeah, but we need a spot. So they, they built, I'm not exaggerating, a garbage bag deliverance area made out of black bags with sticks stuck in the ground, and you'd walk in. That's the only place. That, they didn't have tents. You can't go out. There's, there's no money, you know. So you walk in this little garbage bag opening with two rough-hewn sticks. You make a turn, and there's a garbage bag room. 
And they've got some mattresses that look like they've been there since Moby Dick was a minnow, right? And so that's our tent. It's okay. We're good. We can handle that, right? And so as soon as Mountain of Worship Church from South Carolina, Danny Stein, his guys get up and they lead worship, as soon as that happens, there is manifestations going all over the place. Now, we had seen this before. We were prepared for it. So we looked for the guys on Leif's team. I said, bring me some guys that, you know, they're, this guy's an, an ex-biker. He's got arms bigger than my head, right? I like him. Bring that guy. Um, we've got some guys that are air marshals. They're dudes. And said, we made sure you got, you're all born again. Yes, we're here. They became our ministry helpers. So as they would manifest, I remember one time, as soon as it, there was a 14, 15-year-old girl, she could not have been more than 105 pounds manifesting. And it took five of them, the air marshals, five of these guys trying to bring this little girl into the garbage bag tent. And so, but then to see them get free. Now, the reason the book got written was um, uh, Jack Taylor's wife, Frida, who is Jack's third wife, two of his other wives, he's 80, he just turned 84, we just celebrated, 83, 84, celebrated his birthday. And um, the Lord said, I don't want to be, he told the Lord, I don't want to be alone. So at 76, I think it was, he married Frida, which is wild, right? Now, Frida had been a, a widow, she had been widowed for years and said, you know, I, I don't know about this. I've been free of men. And <laughs> but the Lord said, that's your husband. No, no, no. She argued. Anyway, they get married. Leif, who is spiritual father to, to Frida, gets permission from his spiritual dad or gives permission to his spiritual dad to marry his spiritual daughter. I don't know how that all works. But, and, uh, and he ended up giving away his daughter. It was awesome. And, well, Frida, who is, if you, I'm German. My wife's German, okay? Um, can be a little hard-headed, stubborn. Frida, who's been in ministry for years, remember her father was Waffen-SS. If you know anything about the Nazi SS, they were Hitler's entourage guard who carried out all of his stuff. And you can read her book. It's an amazing book. I forget the name of it now, The, the Cross of Christ. Anyway, she, when she came here in her last visit, we sold a bunch of my. I have one copy somewhere. You can go online, Frida... Uh, Frida Taylor, and look it up. It'll, it'll rock your world. But she goes through her journey. So she's a bit of a skeptic. She says, I've seen some deliverance ministries before, and I'm not really impressed. So Jack, I'd like permission to leave your side. You're doing kingdom and all that stuff, and I'm going to go spend time with Tom Hauser's team in the deliverance tents. I want to be an observer. She watched for eight hours. Amen. We lost track. She just stood there. And all I know is Jack Taylor came to see me and said, okay, I need you to do prayer ministry on me first. I said, Jack, I, I'm not even worthy to undo your sandals. He goes, no, 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 no. I need you. And that was in a, a glorious, glorious moment for me and for him. Put us together in ways. That... Then he came and he said, I need you to write a book so that you can release that book to some Buddy, in another place in the world, they can read the book, and then they can pick it up, and the back will have how you go about getting started to do this ministry. So write it from the context of what you've learned. How does a nuclear engineer go from running warships 
to becoming a pastor who now does deliverance ministry. First of all, that in itself is weird. And I need you to write that story kind of as a biography. But then I'd like you to share, how does a person get started in this ministry? Take the mystery out of it. And it goes, by the way, my best friend is the vice president of Destiny Images Publishing Company. And he's from Mozambique. And he was in prison for one year. And uh, when, the, when the Portuguese were thrown out, he's a missionary heart to heart. And he loves mission. He loves what you're doing. And so we'll work it out. So if you've ever published a book, my wife will remind you, I had some money in a retirement fund. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't have the money to do this. And he said, I'd like you to transfer the money from your retirement fund to my retirement fund. I said, Lord, is that you? I got, you got to convince this woman I live with about that, okay? Anyway, long story short, we did. So I would like you to pick up a copy of the book and read it and then pass it on. But more than just read it for head knowledge, I'd like you to become skilled in setting other people free. All right. Now I'm behind. But I think you needed to know that. So what you've got here in the ministry manual, at some point we're going to pick this up and the modules that are listed would you read, if you look at the handout on the first page, it says homework. We've got a little more time now, but you should be finished, actually, with the reading that's on week one, two, and three. If you're not, please do. And then, actually, this week, what I'd like you to do is in the handout, when you get past the things we've already uh, taught on, and you come to the one that's called Prayer Ministry Journal, it's also in the book, in the back of my book, but it's the journal and just to lay this out for you, when a person's getting ready to come to prayer ministry, they come and say, we want you to come and spend some time before you get here in prayer with the Holy Spirit who knows all truth. He's the spirit of truth, right? John 15, 14, 14 15, so Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but the Father's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. You can't bear the truth now. You can't handle the truth. You ever hear that one? A few good men? Right. You can't handle the truth. Now, you can't bear the truth. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will allow you to bear the truth. And what you could understand in truth before may not be what you're now in your journey. I can get a little more of this truth put on me, Lord. Another way of saying it is the road is narrow, and the more it gets to the kingdom of revelation, to whom much is given much is required. And so we can't be pew sitters. We got to be active about this thing, right? So the journal is the, is the listing of scriptures, and then it's the what do I need to do to get ready for prayer ministry? And it gives you suggestions. And on that second uh, page five, you'll have a forgiveness list. So in the journaling process, you'll sit down and you'll ask the Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? And you can approach this chronologically or from your pain list. Who's the most painful person in your life? Oh, that's, I got that one, right? So I choose to write down now, or you can start as a child. I remember this, go, go to uncles, aunts, fathers, teachers, coaches, friends, right? Spouses, exes. Start down the list and be very, very diligent about, because Jesus said, if you choose to forgive, if you forgive, the, the Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, the Father will not forgive you. 
don't know about you, but that's a pretty sobering scripture. Because I've had people come and say, I refuse to forgive this person. I said, well, then you're on really dangerous ground. When you stand before him, if he'd paid every price for you and said, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. While he's beaten to the point of not being recognized as human, then we ought to be able to say, you know what? I don't care if it's rape or murder. Those are serious offenses, abuse, brokenness against a child. Those are horrible offenses. But I can choose. Even if I don't want to, I can will to. And that's a de- declaration. So it's a stop, it's a, it's a, it'll stop the ministry if you get into it and said, there's somebody here I can't forgive. Well, then we can't go any further because we're just not powerful enough to do. The word says, so the first list is forgiveness. And some of those are raw because as human beings, we like to forget our broken past. Man, I just don't want to go back there. There's so much hurt there. The Lord will give you grace. It may stir up some things, but honestly, it's good stirring, right? So you come in and you got, I had one lady, I'm not exaggerating, I think I don't know if Jan was helping me on this, Pat, I forget. Anyway, um, a lady came in from another state, and I, she had had the journal, and she came in, I'm not exaggerating, 40 pages, single-spaced. She could, I can't even tell you who my first grade teacher was. I'm sorry, I don't know. Blah, 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 I don't know where that went. I don't think it's senior moment, but anyway, she had in first grade on the playground, this person, I'm like, She carried a strong man of the spirit of rejection. She expected by all of the expectations, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man or woman believes in the heart, so they will become. She had become a rejection machine. It's just a matter of time. I can tell you by fact, I can tell you they're all going to reject me. I'm just just waiting. And she'd go through, see, there it is. Rejection, rejection. And so, Forgiveness is a big list. So you bring that list to the, to, the, to the time of your session. Then the second list is my confession list. You go and ask the Lord, what is it? Now, Pastor, if I've confessed this already to Christ, why do I have to confess it to you? Or one of the, Because there's a different scripture, if you know the word. 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sins to him. Jesus, he's faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness. But there's another scripture in James 5. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much, accomplishes much. If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them anoint with oil. The prayer that's offered in faith will heal the sick. Confessing your sins one to another that you might be sozoed. The word we covered in the first session. 110 times, it's an action verb that is interchangeably in the Greek, deliverance, healing, and salvation. Something happens when you come in and say, I, man, I got some stuff I am really ashamed to even talk about. So that's the best stuff to talk about. Because once you take it from darkness to light, it loses its power. But you keep it in the darkness and thinking, well, first of all, he knows about it. But it's troublesome to go have to go tell my pastor I got this, this, and this going on. He says, well, you don't think your pastor struggles with stuff? (laughs) I tell people, I said, look, if we haven't done it, we've heard it. And if you think that we're camped on the fact that your sin can't be forgiven by Christ, then you don't understand the power of the royal blood. And it is illegal for you 
to hold on to that and say, I got to carry that condemnation with me. There is no condemnation in Christ, Romans 8, 1. And so there is this place where we come in and we have our list of confession and our list of forgiveness. And it's not uncommon after spending six, eight hours. I have a letter I got this week from a man from another church who's been kind of skeptical of, of organized religion. He's seen abuses of it. Well, who hasn't? <laughs> and so he came, he says, let me get this straight. Um, you're you're going to spend this day with me and you're not going to charge me anything? He said, no, the Lord told us to freely receive, freely give. I've never heard that before. Counselors charge $100 an hour or something like that. He said, you're not going to get that here. And so he said, okay. And he, the letter he wrote, he got home, he says, I want you, anyway, it's just this flowery, wonderful letter of how much he felt loved and accepted and the bondage that he's walked in for over 35 years is gone. And so the sadness of that is, why did you have to walk 35 years through it? Because there aren't many bodies of Christ that are doing this kind of inner healing ministry. And it needs to be. And part of my call is to raise up the samurai for the last day. Those who know in discipline. Now, the samurai, they were the ones, until 1945, when the emperor didn't, he was realized he's not God because they lost the war, okay? Just saying. Um, but they were a disciplined warrior class for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they were skilled in levels of warfare, and they made a commitment unto death to, to bless the God. And so when I was watching The Last Samurai, I took a young African-American man with me. He didn't have a father. I said, come on, let's go. Let's go watch an action movie. So I'm in the middle of the Tom Cruise movie, right? And I get, and I'm going, Lord, I know that's you, but I'm watching an R-rated film right now. I, you know, there's a lot of blood in this thing, and, and uh, I don't have a clue what you're doing right now, God. And I heard in my spirit, I want you to raise up the samurai for the last day. I said, Lord, is that you? That may be the devil. I, I know the samurai worshiped the wrong God. So I get home, and I log on, Google Samurai, and up pops what looks like an Ephesians 6 warrior in full red regalia, the helmet, the, the knife, the, the boots that I'm going. He goes, that is the warrior that I want raised up for this day. He goes, they will be a disciplined warrior class that will know the skills of war. They will be able to face off against the enemy. They will be so devoted and loving unto me that they'll be willing to give their lives, like Revelation 12 says, that they would overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they wouldn't love their lives unto death. I said, Lord, that sounds really heavy. You're going to have to confirm that for me. I then get invited to do a conference at, uh, in Virginia. What was the name of the church? No, come on, Terry. Remember, they actually shut down. Um, Raccoon, Ford. Raccoon Ford. Mom, you were there. Raccoon Ford. Mom was living in Virginia, came over, right? Anyway, Raccoon Ford. And while I'm there, this guy comes up. He says, I'm a church intercessor. I have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours in intercession. And I, the Lord told me during your teaching, I didn't say anything about samurai. And he comes up. I don't recall doing that. He said, I have a samurai sword that is hand-carved. 
and it has 60 plus hearts on it that represent every family in this church that, and, and engraved in it is Isaiah 61. Now, if you know anything about my life, Isaiah 61 is one of the prophecies over this church by Leif Hetland. When I was still working for GE, it was prophesied over me, and my first church as an associate was based upon Isaiah 61. So when he comes up and says, this is this Isaiah, I have made hours and hours of intercession with this samurai sword, and I'm told to give it to you. And there'll be times when you will commission people with this sword. And there have been times when I have commissioned people with that sword. In fact, a guy called me today, 76 years old. He's been in ministry over 45 years. He's a personal intercessor for Randy Clark. He's John Telling. He wouldn't mind me saying. His wife, Judy, they are amazing. They go all over the world. They're, she's 77, 76, he's 77. And two ladies out of the blue three months ago said, called him separately from different states and said, you need, one from his church in Chapel Hill, worship center, uh, Duncan Smith's church, catch the fire. He said, you need to go to Wilmington, North Carolina, have prayer ministry with Tom Hauser. He's been to Restoring the Foundations, a week-long session in the mountains. He's been to um, Sozo ministry from different ministries. He's been, he started, he goes, then he gets another call. Go to Wilmington, North Carolina, and get prayer ministry from Tom Hauser. Okay, this is weird. Okay. So he calls me up. He says, can I come down for prayer ministry? I said, yeah, but you got to do some homework. Okay. So I do your journal, do this. He comes down. It was so glorious. Now, 77 years old, and some of the stuff he's carried through almost 45 years of ministry and life. And he said he pulled out of the parking lot, and he cried like a baby. He went home and told his wife. And he was one of the men I, the Lord told me to commission. And I forgot some of the things I told him, but he's been doing them. <laughs> and now he's sending me missionaries and leaders from Catch the Fire who are coming down. And they are being racked and rocked. And I don't know what God's doing with all this. I just know that he's up to something. And the fact that we're here and this is scheduled, it's not by accident that you're sitting here. But I'm asking you to pray about, so what do I do with it? Okay? So that's why I don't think we should rush through this. And I need you to be, it's one thing to have it, another thing to do it. And so if you haven't had your prayer ministry, I suggest you call Pat Walls at the office and get signed up. I'm booked through November. But there are others that are available. And some of you are going to be raised up to do this ministry. Some of you are being raised up to do this ministry. So, okay. Oh, Lord. I hope that was helpful. I'm not sure why I went on that, but the Lord had something in it. Okay, we left off last week. Turn with me to page 15. Page 15 of the teaching notes. Um, I hope you've, we, we had just finished that. We, we talked about, can a Christian be demonized? And the answer is no. And we went through that on page um, 12. And then on page 15, we picked up, and I want to tell you uh, several testimonies that are real life, and some of you were there. I mean, I think Pastor Terry was there and I, at various times. I forget, how many trips have you made to, to Brazil, Terry? Six? Okay. Um, this one was when we had been to some smaller trips with Randy 
smaller gatherings. The first one I told you about was when I saw the deliverance of a, a demonized young woman who had been crippled. My first trip into Brazil, I'd never seen, I'd seen a healing through my daughter. If you read the book, you'll hear the story how I got saved. Miraculous healing of my daughter sovereignly by a word of knowledge from an ex-Hells angel turned Baptist minister. My daughter got radically healed as a child. I got saved, and then I'd love to say everything was good, but I, I'm working for, I'm up and down over the next 20 plus years. But he's growing me in the spirit. Well, now I, I know and I'm here, and that's another whole thing. You read the book, and you'll know my testimony, how we got here. But now we're traveling to the nations because they said, Lord, I, I need to see your power. So we go with Randy Clark, who was in the church after the Toronto Blessing, and the Vineyard Church at that time, which is our roots. I'm a vineyard pastor at that time. We were seeing a miraculous things happen, the, the whole resurgence of the charismatic movement, and there's lots of controversy I mean, there's tremendous controversy. I remember Charisma Magazine writing an article that what was going on in Toronto, remember I told you what happened with Heidi. The denomination pulled all of her funding. She said, I can't deny the Holy Spirit, and within a year, she's planting churches, and people are coming from all over the world. A millionaire, had to be, from Texas, gets a picture of this woman and is told to load a, a boat with food products, and ship it to the docks in Mozambique. There's no infrastructure in Mozambique. This, the longshoremen is lucky if you have a crane that works, right? Let alone the, there's holes that could drop elephants in. So you think you're going to get a flatbed truck or something? Look, lady, he finally gets up with her through a series of connections, says, are you Heidi Baker? Yes. Well, I'm shipping you, I forget how many tons of food that'll come from Texas to Mozambique. He goes, sir, I... Uh, I can't, do, look lady, I'm doing my part. That's your problem. The Lord miraculously lines up the rest of it and that food stuff is landed. And Heidi, today, if she had denied the Holy Spirit, I don't believe she'd be anywhere with this thing. Is That was a test. And she went through six months, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, living in hell. They took away her orphanage and put her on the street, homeless, with 300 orphans. And they told her, said, you can't be on the street. She said, these are my children. You can't tell me. I, I'm going to live. You took away my home. You took away our place. Therefore, we'll live on the streets. You can't do that. That's what I'm doing. You get back to that orphanage right now. And they wrote the deed in her name. As broken down as it was, holes in it where the, the, during the war, AK-47 bullet holes across the thing, played nothing there. She went back, and then the Lord started sending money and sending people. We made our trip into that, and I told you my first journey, and then we made multiple trips, and then we had at one time six full-time missionaries, both in Maputo, Mozambique, and in Pemba, Mozambique. We still have a house. We have two houses we built there. They're now occupied by long-term missionaries, and Ken Andrea, he's going to preach this Sunday. Don't miss it. He's going to preach this Sunday. He married a Brazilian when she came to Brazil, to, from Brazil to Mozambique, and they established now a work in the Isle of Mozambique. We're vested there. We have money and treasure there. And we have rights there. It's part of our heritage. There are, there are people serving in the ministry throughout Mozambique, pastoring. Pastor Miguel, others we've laid hands on, who have, are ministering and saving souls that are part of our legacy. So, I say all that that says, when we go on these trips, you usually are being revealed something, shown something, and we've been privileged 
to have this happen. It's not, I'm not bragging. It just is. I don't even know how it happened. All we said is, we'll go. And when you go, especially when it's uncomfortable, right, Alicia? Sleeping on the floor in the Himalayas, right, Glenna? Right? Who wasn't even sure that physically she could do it based on the pain she was experiencing before and said, God told me to go. Right? Look, I'm not trying to be manipulative at all. I'm just saying, when the Lord says, do it, don't give him a list of why. You can't. You might tell him, Lord, you've got to confirm this for me, and you really, you really need to provide the money for it, or, or that's okay. All right. I want to tell this testimony. This, this is one, when you go through the model, and you've, you've, you've done what the model does, and we'll get into the great deal detail of that. We're going to actually do a mock model, and I'll throw some ringers at you in the past. We'll just, I just want you to get comfortable with that. But while we're doing this model, we're learning this process. We're now in Brazil, in Belém, Brazil, and I told you last week that uh, Pastor Paulo was over 74 square churches in Belém, Brazil, had invited Randy Clark and Bill Johnson. They're becoming more and more famous. The anointing, there's this connection, the four squares. If you know anything about them, that's Jack Hayford's organization. They're worldwide. They're spirit-filled. And so they also know there's a whole lot of witchcraft in Brazil, right? And so... We get invited to run the deliverance tents in Belém, Brazil. And I told you, I, my lead, one of my lead intercessors told me the, the enemy was going to try to kill me when I got there. And I told you the strategy of what the Lord gave me and how we came about that. We did a Jericho march. We set up a section. If you missed that, hopefully it's a podcast. I think we got some. <clears throat> I don't know about podcast too, but. We are now in a stadium that we found out later each of them are given an assignment to a Macumba witch of that region. Didn't know that at the time, but the Lord did. That's why he had us Jericho march and break the power of all witchcraft. Set aside a section independent from all of the other ministry. Ministry team can be over there doing healing ministry. You need a closed environment where you can do ministry, because when they manifest, and by the way, they will manifest, you need to carry them to a place that's quiet where you can do ministry. <clears throat> so, we set up two tents. There was a healing tent. Randy says, I'll do the physical healing. Tom, you do the deliverance tent. So, if there's a sickness or disease, they can come to this tent, or they can come over here for deliverance. Okay. So, Randy has a translator named Clarice. Amazing translator. She's from a pretty wealthy Brazilian family, and she had a nanny growing up who is part of the Foursquare Church, who is trained in the deliverance team in the Foursquare Church. So, as a little girl, as her nanny is going about doing stuff, she takes little 12 year old Clarice, and they're doing deliverances together. So Clarice knows something about deliverance. She's not afraid, and she's a powerful translator. So Randy's in the healing tent. Bill had just preached. The worship was off the hook. We're busy doing deliverances that night. We were going to be there for three nights. And as this woman comes up, a 15-year-old girl, her name's Anna Paula. She comes up, and she says, I have, through the translator, she says, I have all these stomach issues. And Randy says, okay. 
and talks to Clarice about it. says, is it all right if I lay hands on you? Randy lays hands on her head. She falls out under the power of the Holy Spirit and starts vomiting red blood, literally. If it happened here, we probably would dial 911. We'd think an artery broke. That's how, this is what's going on. And Randy said, literally later, he says, I'm freaking out, man. I am freaking out. I just want to heal her. <laughs> and Clarice says, no, 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 no. Mukumba, Mukumba. And she goes into action, shuts it down, tells it to stop, breaks off the power of it. And Randy goes, whoa, because if they could dial 911, there is no 911. <laughs> you know, so you can't dial it. So. And so Randy goes, what was that? He goes, no, I've seen this before. She has eaten food dedicated to Makumba idols in blood sacrifice, and it has cursed her organs. And the fact that you have now come in the name of Jesus and brought light, it is going to try to stop you from releasing that from them. That needs to go see Tom in the other tent. He told me that night. He goes, yeah. So Clarice said, I feel something on this. Would it be all right, Randy, if we get you another translator and I can go work with Pastor Tom? I want to personally be involved in ministering to Clarice, to uh, Anna Paula. So Randy releases her. The next day she comes. We got our team. We got, I think it was 16 different stations. So we have a Brazilian translator from from English to Portuguese, 16 chairs. We have our male and female counterparts, and we might have a Brazilian observer, pastor, right? So, so picture this. You're in a closed wall area. It's lighted. The only way in, Phil Walls, if you knew my, my best friend in life, Phil Walls, he was a demolition guy in Vietnam. He died of Agent Orange exposure uh, last February um, through five years of cancer, and it was, it was really nothing. nothing. He was not afraid of anything living. He was one of those guys who went to prison, as a drug dealer, lost his home. If you know anything about, is Pat here tonight? Oh, good, I can brag on her. She, Pat was as tough as him, okay? She doesn't, and part of her testimony is, we did it all, okay? And so what a glorious walk we're on right now. And she's still pretty rough around the edges. I often tell Pat, a little southern charm. So I'm from New Jersey. Okay, whatever. Okay. Anyway, so we're going get, to get that in there. Anyway, so... Phil is the control point operator. He's at the doorway. So as we're seeing manifestations take place, the Brazilians we had trained are carrying in those in manifestation and bring them to our stations, and we're doing deliverance on them if they want to be. So Clarice is at one of the stations. She's got another support pastor with her, and in comes Anna Paula. She had said, Anna Paula, please come back. Here's the story on Anna Paula. She's 15. She's, her, her mother's a Macumba witch. Her father has pressed her and her two sisters into prostitution. She's an active prostitute, streetwalking, even the night before. But she'd heard about the deliverance tents. In fact, we'd seen them. Some of the streetwalkers thought, well, let's, they don't have any business. The Christians aren't giving them any business, right? So they said they come in and they sit down. In this, they hear the nice worship. And then they either manifest or they hear the word and they get saved. So she got saved. Goes to the healing tent because she's got all these stomach issues. Voila, now she's in the deliverance tent because Clarice said, please come. Clarice sees her. They sit down and they're starting the interview process. Would you like to forgive some of those that have hurt you? And instantly, Clarice goes into a catatonic state. Not Clarice, uh, Anna Paula goes into a catatonic state. Clarice is doing everything she knows. 
trying to get the human personality to come back. There was such an authorization. That child had been in blood sacrifice, had been given over to Makumba many times, had had obviously a lot of Johns. Her, her life was an absolute mess at 15 years old. She's sick, so sick that she, if, if God doesn't show up, I don't know really what would have happened to her. But by his sovereign grace, he intersects with the kingdom. So Clarice who comes over to me. I had just finished a ministry. <clears throat> she goes, Pastor Tom, I don't know what to do right now. I can't get her out of this. She is as rigid. Terry, were you on that one? Were you on that prayer ministry? You didn't say, anyway, I, I, forget, I forget who was there on that one. We had about eight or nine <clears throat> that were around that one. <clears throat> Excuse me. She is as rigid as a board on the chairs, and we can't make any contact with her. <clears throat> and now I'm like, Lord, I'm so outside my model, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do now, Lord. But I do know this. So I, I broke away. I said, Lord, can we talk a little bit right now? I'm a little bothered by this. She got saved. She's come here on her own free will. Nothing we're doing seems to work. We can't get her, we can't leave her in this condition. Lord, what do you want me to do? What, come on, God, what do you want? I heard in my spirit this impression of, hand-to-hand combat, I'm going, Lord, I'm not going to go karate chop this girl. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. That's, what do you mean, Lord? He goes, I want you to get really close. Why don't you speak in tongues? Okay. I know that this tongue's a fire. When I don't know what to do, I know he tells you when you don't know how to pray, praying in tongues is a really good way to pray, right? Because you bypass all the intellect, and you go from your spirit man, which is born again, to connection with the Holy Spirit. Go read it in Corinthians and Romans, right? And so I said, okay, team. So I've got a brand new Baptist. This is his first mission trip. He's a Baptist. Mark, Mark Brisson, he'll tell you. His brother actually was a Baptist, got in trouble with the Baptist ministry because he got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. He took his brother in the first door. Mark was kind of in a worldly place, and his brother said, my brother belongs here. I go, okay, welcome. So he sat with us, would go to lunch with us, and he finally said, I need to go on one of those, like, trip things with you. So he's there, and the day before in the walk around of the seven day, of the seven march, the, the Jericho march around breaking the power around this stadium, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost and starts speaking in tongues. He goes, I got that thing. <laughs> okay, that's good. We're going to use that thing tonight. And so I've got a team there. There was now three or four from the church. They, they, we were all praying. I said, I need some folks to come on over. I'd like you, if you have your prayer language, start speaking in tongues. If you don't, just pray out loud, loud. So we're, we're praying. And I can't tell you. Now, it's, it's, it's 100% humidity. And it's in the 80s, high 80s. We're all, I am, we're all drenched. We're outside, we're drenched. Even though it's nighttime, we're drenched. She is as cool as a cucumber. You touch her flesh. She is as rigid as a board, and it was as if she was in an icebox. I'm not exaggerating. And I'm like, I know she's not dead. She's breathing. And so start speaking in tongues, guys. Like, I know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a trust in the Lord. So we're speaking in tongues. And Mark... He's got her head, she's rigid, he's kind of holding her head in case, you know, I said, you know, sometimes things can get a little active, so you hold her head, I got, I got another lady 
I'm just reporting. Mark will tell you this. At one point, it seemed that she levitated, and there were people actually sitting on her. I'm just reporting, okay? And so I'm, I'm right next to, Mark's got her head. I'm right here, and I am speaking, and I'm speaking in tongues. We're all praying in tongues, praying in tongues, 30-some-odd minutes plus. I don't remember. It wasn't. And all of a sudden, the eyeballs open. The demon looks at Mark through her eyeballs and says, in perfect English, she doesn't speak English, perfect English says, when I come out, in a man's voice, in a ma- when I come out, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill her. Head goes back, eyeballs close, and Mark looks and goes, did you just hear that? I said, Mark, they lie. They're liars. He's the prince of lies. He's a liar. Mark's still alive, by the way. And so, <laughs> and last time I heard from Anna Paula after our third, she was still too. So, anyway, so, and I said, keep praying. Keep praying in tongues. Because that's intimidation. They are trying to get us to stop. He's, he's now starting to show his hand. We're praying in tongues. Again, I don't know how long. All of a sudden, perfect English. Eyeballs open. Man's voice. It's getting really hot in here. And there was more than one. And so I said, awesome. Turn it up. Now, we got tongue talkers coming. We got our translator. We're all, boom. And all of a sudden, she goes limp. The human personality comes back. She looks at Clarice, like, and she says in Portuguese, I'm free, it's gone. Now, we didn't do the model. She didn't forgive anybody. (laughs) We went several hours, and the Lord did it. We then finished by Clarice. We had a reconfess. We asked, we did that Luke chapter 10, uh, Luke chapter 11, where it says, if if you want the greatest gift, if evil fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Clarice, you need to, I mean, Anna Paula, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill this vessel. Remember, we shared this in Matthew 12. That vessel's got to be full or seven worse will come upon you. Fill her up. Well, the next day, she approaches Clarice, who's in the tent with us, and when I saw her, I didn't even recognize her. I said, Anna Paula? She wasn't dressed like a hooker. She had this peaceful glare. She goes, I have no, I've slept like a baby. I have no stomach problems, told Clarice. Now, I share that story because it's one of those, we can have a model based upon biblical principles, but you may run into something that It's kind of like Moses at the Red Sea. They're coming. Pharaoh's loaded for bear. And we're about to get slaughtered here. And we have nowhere to go. Okay. What do you got in your hand? I got this this wooden thing. Good. And walls open. And the enemy is defeated. Right? So I want us to get, we can get into models. But if you ever got into a place where I don't know what to do, then you know what to do. Pray in the Holy Ghost and ask him, what do I do now, Lord? Is that okay? All right. One more story because, and it'll probably wrap up our night. So you got, we're doing really great here. Wow. I'd like you to read these myths that are on page 17. So pick up and start reading in 15 and finish the book if you haven't.
and then go to the modules that are in the spiral wound one. And uh, I promise we'll pick up the pace next week. I want to share this last one. This one actually made Randy's ministry, it, it opened the door. Remember, so was your gifts make room for you? So Randy's now made, I just saw an article he wrote. 50, 80? He made a lot of trips into Brazil. Brazil is his nation where he's been given tremendous favor. So when he would go in, he would go to a town, and the evangelicals that are connected in that town would say what happened, the healings and the salvations and deliverances. They would tell the next town, and those pastors would get. So Randy's got this list that is like, and at one time he was traveling 285 days a year. Really tough on the family. Made a tremendous sacrifice for he and his wife and children. But the Lord has been faithful in that. His children are serving ministry there. And Anyway, in this trip to Brazil in Belém, our second trip, now we're telling the stories about the first trip, right? Anna Paula getting delivered and healings. and Man, we're pumped. So now I got a new crew. So we got about one, a fourth of the team went on the last trip and they wanted to go again. And then I got a, a fresh crop. We've trained up. We've done the breaking free sessions. We've trained them into, they've had their own prayer ministry. They are skilled in war, but they're, vet, they're not veterans, okay? And I got this guy. <laughs> he's awesome. Um, he's a young man and he's, he's like, man, we're gonna, real, we're gonna kick some demon butt, right, pastor? I said, well, we hope to. He goes, man, I'm just like, I'm loaded. I'm lo-. I said, well, just be careful, Nick. His name was Nick Thornhill. Be careful, Nick. And uh, so we get there, and Randy gets a report from one of the Brazilian pastors that's a member of the Foursquare denomination. He says, there's a lady in our church. Her name is Otha. She got saved about six months ago, but every time we start worship in the church, she manifests and she'll be sitting in a section and she'll clear the whole section out and she'll throw chairs across the room. Nobody will sit with her. Nobody even want to get near her now. We've tried. We don't know what to do. Can you bring your experts (laughs) and help us with this? So he didn't tell us Oath is 300 pounds and big. No wonder she can throw chairs every which direction and everybody's afraid of her. And so I'm like, Randy says, well, just evaluate it. See, now I'm praying and the Lord says, I want you to be very careful. The devil will send plants that want ministry, but really all they want is power. I said, Lord, what do you mean? So I talked to Paulo about that, senior pastor. He goes, oh, yeah, the warlocks and the witches, they know that you evangelicals have the spirit of God to cast out demons. They will use Matthew 12 to get their house purged and then they will open themselves up in blood sacrifices to get seven worse and more powerful. I said, that's sick. Because I'm telling you that's what they do. I said, well, okay. So Lord, I ask you to give us the gift of discernment so we know who they are. So here we are. It was Roger Riggs was there. Nick Thornhill was there. And, uh, and a team, we had a team of 16, 18, I forget the number, it's in my journal now, but, and I get this, we've been doing ministry, and Otha's there, and she's coming, this is like the third night, Otha's been there for three nights, waiting online, and I'm just feeling, I don't know if she's one of the plants, and I haven't got the release, and Nick Thornhill calls me over, and he says, 
Come and minister. Roger Riggs calls us. Come and minister. Here's a guy in a perfect brown three-piece suit, tie. It, I mean, it's 100% humidity. It's hot. This guy looks as cool as, cool as a cucumber. He says he wants ministry. He's been involved in witchcraft, and he wants to be set free. When I walk over to him, this is where, pay attention to discernment. Mature believers have trained their senses to discern good and evil, right? Hebrews 5.14. I walk over, and literally the temperature drops at least 10 degrees. And I'm like, I know in my experiential part there's witchcraft here. Now, he may be really wanting to be free. I look into his eyes. They are black as coal. All I see is death. And I said, Nick, Roger, we're not ministering to him today. Tell him to come back tomorrow. We come back at 4.30 in the afternoon. It's going to be our last night. And he's the first one on the line at 4.30 in the direct sun. Same uh, three-piece suit with an attache case. I'm like, that's just plumb weird, this guy. Lord, what do I do with this? He's here. And the Lord said, wait. We're doing ministry. And if you notice, as we start worship, there's manifestation. They're bringing filled walls. is letting people come in. And we have people there. And all of a sudden, this guy is writing paper, writing on his paper, and he's projecting. I'm watching. He's projecting to each one of our stations. At the same moment, all three of our Brazilian translators become violently ill. And I'm going, what the heck is that? And I call Phil Walls over. This guy is standing, being able to observe everything because he's online. And I said, Phil, you need to escort this guy out of here. He's not getting ministry. Tell him to go see his pastor at a local church. We're not ministering to him. I need him to get him out of here. He's projecting curses on our team. Phil says, I got it, boss. He goes, you're out of here. At that moment, Phil Walsh turns to him. Phil described it this way. He said he felt like a human hand go into his chest. Now, Phil, 25 years earlier, had had a heart attack. He was miraculously healed and never had a heart problem again. Seriously. But at that moment, having experienced a heart attack, he said he felt a human hand go in and grab hold of his heart. And he, was, he turned ashen white. Now... Barbara Coley, who was a nurse, serves in the emergency room, is also there. They, she gets the word, Phil's having a heart attack. She runs over and looks at him, comes and gets me and says, Phil's having a heart attack. I instantly get a download. I said, no, he's not. And I go over and I said, in the name, now the, the warlock is standing here. Phil is here, ash and white. The drama of all this thing, he's just standing there like this. And I felt the Spirit of God come on. I could have called down Ananias and Sapphira death on this guy. I'm just telling you. But it probably wouldn't have been great at a healing service for him to die. So the Lord did have me do something else. I said, in the name of Jesus, I take the sword of the Spirit and I cut you free, Phil, from this. He said at that moment, he felt the hand come out of his chest, release his heart, his color returned, and now Phil is fit to be tied. I'm serious. If you know, demolition, he's bad. He can be really bad. I said, Phil. Now, this, if I thought about it, I probably would have, Phil, you needed to escort this guy out of here. No problem. I'm thinking, what am I thinking? So he doesn't get the guy by the nap of the neck, but that guy knows he's out of here, and he got escorted. There were a couple of our guys. They escorted him to the boundary 
of the soccer stadium. And as soon as he got to the boundary of the soccer stadium, he fell to the ground, and in his suit, he writhed like a snake. Phil said, you stay away from us, or something worse will happen, and walked away. Never saw him again. What's the teaching point on this, Pastor? We know that our translators had not been to prayer ministry, and they had some open doors. That's why a curse that's undeserved will fall like a sputtering sparrow. All of our team members who he's projecting curses on, and Phil, I believe, was a teaching moment. Phil was, the the devil would have killed him. I'm sure he would have killed him and stopped the whole ministry. If Phil had died that night, I'm sure he would have. But the Lord was saying, no, you need to understand, there are those that have come to kill you, and that was one of them had come to kill you. The intercessor was right. Pay attention to your intercessors. But I gave you the strategy, and you listened to what I told you to do. You marched Jericho seven times. You broke the curses. You didn't even know we're under Makuba blood sacrifices in that stadium. You protected by having an eye. You did everything I told you to do. And you had authority, and I limited what the devil could do so I could teach you some things. That works for me, Lord. Okay, because I have a lot of questions about this, about I want to go do ministry, and I don't want to get hurt, and I don't want anybody getting hurt with me. And so, from that point, back to Otha. Otha is online. We're now, we got about three more hours, and we're leaving tomorrow morning. We're flying home. And this pastor had asked for this lady to be set free from her church. So Nick and Roger come and says, Pastor Tom, please. And Phil came to me and goes, she's here every night, Tom. <sighs> okay, get her pastor. I want her pastor. In the, he's going to witness this. And I want, and we, picked, we handpicked the translators and we handpicked the experienced folks. And we sat down for the next three hours. Now, this is the God's honest truth. I, you can go call up Mark Brisson. He owns the Coastal Door Windows Play. You can ask him this. Remember, he's the Baptist guy who gets, saved, or gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, and the demon talks to him. He survives that one the night before, and now here we are. We know that if you don't break the, if you don't tie up the strong man, that strong man is going to manipulate things, Right? So I'm walking this fine line of getting Otha to forgive those who have hurt her and confess her sins. Turns out she's been a prostitute. She got saved six months ago. She's no longer prostituting. She's been a Makumba witch in her past, and her family's got a whole lineage of Makumba witch. I don't know if the San La Muerte was in there. I don't recall now, but I have to look at my journal. But there were, so we're dealing with high-level interaction here. So I don't want her to manifest. I want the de- so I'm like we're, I said, guys, we got to watch this thing. We're gonna. So she's confessing the John that almost beat her to death, and she's that anger and rage. And she's a powerful woman. And there would as she would confess that thing. Mark Brisson will testify. There was a almost like a crack would open, and it would start to ooze from her neck. And as soon as she would confess and forgive, it would close. I'm just reporting. I, I don't know what it means, but there was a matter. And it was like, what, what, what is that, Lord? I don't, I don't know what that means. And as we carefully, and her pastor's watching the process, after three hours, there's nothing left to forgive. There's no more to confess. 
And then we take authority over the spirit of witchcraft and mukumba and perversion and immorality and adultery and fornication, blood sacrifices, idolatry, worship. And she's confessing these things, renouncing them. And she gets filled. When she got filled with the Holy Ghost, not that everybody in Malayim heard it, but it, it was like, wow. We get an email from the pastor that she's under. It says, I want you to know that we, can't, we got this confirmed in the next trip back, but Randy called me. He goes, thank you for doing that. Um, my stock in Belém just went really up that Otha is worshiping without destroying the church. And so, again, what do, what do, what do we learn from that? We learn, one, we have authority, but you have to be careful if you rush into, I shared this before, when Randy at Santorame challenged the demons right in the prayer. Remember, we just had a mess. And one of our team members, because she had open doors, almost got hurt. So this is not a game. This is not, well, let me show, I got power. Don't even start this ministry. This is a ministry of love because the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But you are the gloves on the hand of the one who loves them. And he wants you equipped to be able to know the skills, to be able to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and stand in a place where you can minister for eight hours and never get paid for it and see a person gloriously set free. And for the rest of that person's life, all of the people they influence will be blessed by that influence. That's just the way it works. So that on that day, when you stand before him at the Bema seat, the reward seat, Right, 2 Corinthians 5.10. When you stand before him and he dishes out the rewards, he can say to you, well done, thou good and faithful one. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed. Lord, I pray that there's no fear in the room. There can be questions. There can be, how do I fit in this and why am I here? But Lord, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in Ephesians 1. And also pray for Ephesians 2.10 that all of you were created before the foundation of the earth as a workmanship unto Christ to do the works destined for you to be accomplished before you were ever born. That the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be brought forth in such a way that they would know how to apply the remaining years of their lives, that the kingdom would be at the forefront of all that they do and I do. So, Lord, I thank you. I ask now, I, I pray a peace. I cut them free from anything that would try to bring fear, intimidation, because God has not given us in a spirit of fear, and, but power, love, and a sound mind. So if the devil is the only one who gives fear, anytime you're feeling it, all you need to do is call on the one who is love, and he expels all fear, First John. Perfect love expels all fear. He is love. He loves you. He's got you covered. If you've got issues going on in your life, if you've got doors open, go confess them. And then come under the sheltered place of the Most High and read Psalm 91 over your life that no evil shall come to your dwelling place because the angels will take charge over you and they will cover you. And then he'll give you long life and salvation. So Lord, I pray covering and protection and blessing over everyone here. And I ask that you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation as they study this material 
So they become armed and dangerous to face everything that's in front of them. Because you told us in 1 John 3, 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. John 14, go and do likewise. So Lord, we thank you and bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all.